Hello, listeners. This is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. This is Soul School, Lesson 195, The Temptation of Gluttony. It's been about three months since my book came out, the book called The Wild Land Within, Cultivating Wholeness Through Spiritual Practice. And the book is a kind of spiritual companion for you to journey through the inner land you have within. We all have inner terrain, and that terrain is largely unknown to us because we have so many hidden influencers in our lives, and sometimes we lack perspective. Sometimes we don't see the wounds that are within us, and we can stay trapped in certain areas of our inner life. What I wanted to do over the next few Soul School lessons is share little bits of the book with you. I hope that you will get this book at bookshop.org if you want to help out an independent bookstore or just order it from the local bookstore near you. Or you can go from amazon.com too, or just head over to Broadleaf Books and order it straight from the publisher. First, I'm going to read the table of contents so you get a little bit of an idea of what this book is about. Chapter one, The Wilds Within, Beginning Our Journey. Chapter two, Maps of Old, Learning from Ancient Christian Spiritualities. That has to do with some of the earliest spiritual guides in Christianity, especially focusing in on the desert fathers and mothers around the three and four hundreds CE. Chapter three is climate as context, centering marginalized voices. This one is a lot about hidden influencers in our culture, in our education, in our experience, in our family that predispose us to think certain ways. And it's also about centering voices that have been on the margins or historically subjugated and marginalized throughout history. Learning from the voices we seldom hear from is an incredibly enriching experience. Chapter four is Chasms Within, Naming Our Wounds. This chapter goes into the three major wounds that all of us carry inside. For some, it's just a little trench, and for others, it's a humongous gully. These wounds preoccupy us during our days, and they influence most of the decisions we make. Chapter five is called Weather Fronts, and I talk about the climate in our interior worlds and also the weather fronts. And that means the temptations or afflicting thoughts that come in and out of our landscape. How we encounter temptation will affect how we see God and how we encounter the desires to do the selfish things or do the virtuous things. Handling temptation is one of the things that dogs so many of us. And Evagrius, the desert father Evagrius Ponticus, thought of temptations as afflicting or repetitive thoughts. And this soul school, I'm going to get back to that and focus in on chapter five. Chapter six is called Still Waters, Opening Ourselves Within Prayer. And this is about sinking deeply into prayer and intimacy with God and moving away from anxious thoughts, compulsions, obsessive ideas and the stresses of life. Chapter seven is called Predators and Prey, Befriending Our Fears. And in this one, I use trickster figures of the fox and the rabbit to describe what can sometimes be infestations in our inner world. These creatures of our inner world are always with us and we need to befriend them and understand them. Chapter eight is called Fire Bogs, Trekking Through Trauma and Loss. One of the most difficult parts of our inner terrain is experiencing trauma and loss and having wounds from those things. In my book, I take us straight through the firebox because going around them or pretending they're not there doesn't serve us and doesn't heal us. And the final chapter is called At Home Within, Grounding Ourselves in Divine Love. And here I talk about community and listening deeply 
and allowing ourselves to be changed through our intimacy with God. I also have a resource page on page 183. Today I'm going to read the beginning of chapter 5 and start with the first afflicting thought, which is gluttony. Perhaps it's different than the gluttony that you've heard about, or perhaps this reading will give you a fuller sense of what this can mean. This temptation or afflicting thought, how does it affect you? As I read this, be brave and and see where you might have instances of gluttony in your life and how they can be rooted out. Chapter 5, Weather Fronts, Witnessing Our Afflicting Thoughts. This is on page 81 of The Wild Land Within. The land within us has weather, and it's time to learn what that means. Climate on Earth is a larger system in which we inhabit. In meteorological terms, it's a 30-year average of weather conditions. Weather is the particular day-to-day combinations of things such as air pressure, temperature, and precipitation. We've all countered days of bad weather outside. What do we do about the wild weather that moves through our interior landscapes? In chapter 2, we learned about Desert Father Evagrius Ponticus, who lived in Egypt in the late 4th century and devoted much time to prayer. He could serve as a kind of professor of internal meteorology, teaching us to understand the confusing jumble of pressure systems moving through our inner landscapes. The best-known teachings of Evagrius came from a short book entitled Practicos. In about 100 brief sections, Practicos helps ascetics in the desert live out a holy life in a setting of scant resources. And ascetics were those who went out to the desert to cast aside all of the worldly things that Christianity had become when it got taken over by the Roman Empire. Here, Evagrius teaches that the afflicting thought is what leads to the problems of sin. Professor Andrew Luth incisively phrases Evagrius's notion as, quote, cracks in the heart. These vulnerabilities are what make us susceptible to sin. Simply put, mortals have frailties. It's our weaknesses that incline us to errant lapses and sin. There is another piece in the book where I mention that the idea of original sin is not something that the Desert Fathers knew anything of or believed in. The idea of original sin came into prominence through Augustine of Hippo, and his idea was that we, through sexual reproduction, transfer ancestral moral debt down through the generations. But this is a concept that the apostles of Jesus would have no idea of. It is not a Jewish understanding. In the Bible, in the law given to the people of Israel, that a son or daughter never has to pay for the sins of their parent. They are not morally culpable for those things, even though those sins can wreak havoc up to the third and fourth generation. When we live according to God's law and God's will, generation after generation can be blessed. Back to the book, page 82. As a spiritual guide, Evagrius taught his students that with God's help, they could renew their minds to, hopefully, avert sin altogether. Afflicting thoughts roll in like foul weather within the conditions of our particular inner climates. In and of themselves, these thoughts are not evil or sinful, and they need not harm our souls. Depending on how we interact with them, however, we might suffer trouble or damage. Evagrius warns that we must be vigilant about temptations that might stir up our passions and beleaguer us. Evagrius advises on eight particular afflicting thoughts, which we will examine in this chapter. The Greek word he used for afflicting thought is logismoi, which means a thought rut. 
Before these thought ruts have an emotional charge connected to us, they do not have any power and are morally neutral, says Evagrius. Once we attach ourselves to them, however, these thoughts become destructive desires, fixations, troubles, or sins. We can be witness to them and not beholden to them. Even though we can't control incoming weather, we can see it on the horizon moving in. We can make wise clothing choices before going outdoors, or we can decide to shelter in place until after the front passes through. And here I'm just going to stop briefly to talk about how we often don't think of temptations as something we can withstand. We might think in the same terms how stormy weather can come through our town or our region and then blow away and something new comes up. Often we white-knuckle it through temptation, sometimes succumbing to it. But Evagrius asks that we witness our afflicting thoughts and temptations, witness them and withstand them. Shelter in place if you have to until they pass. But repressing them, pushing them aside, ignoring them only really gives them more power because it's still present in our thoughts. Before we can contend with our inner weather, however, Evagrius tells us that we have something else to handle first. The primary affliction to deal with prior to considering the eight afflicting thoughts is the love of self. This refers to selfishness and self-preoccupation. We trample others as we push towards our goals, desires, and ambitions and center ourselves in our stories. We lose our souls in the process. If we are the center, then God is not. Evagrius was insistent. First, we must dispatch the treacherous love of self. For Evagrius, the goal is not to subdue the weather of these afflicting thoughts. Neither does he train us to fear the weather or hide from it. After we first consider each of the weather patterns that pass through the wild land within, we will look further into Evagrius's insights about how to approach the weather patterns in general. The first one is gluttony. The first temptation occurs when the desert ascetic is hungry and thirsty. The temptation is to gorge on food and drink. The tendency in this situation, Evagrius warns, is to fixate on the hunger pains or sensations of thirst and to think that something dire is happening. He cautions his students to be careful when the focus on food and drink becomes a repeated preoccupation that distracts from prayer. Trouble begins when thoughts of eating and drinking become compulsive and disruptive, enough that the monastic goes off course and violates the devotional commitments of simple living. This can come up for us too. Sometimes we get these food cravings and that's all we think about. And then we usually, if we have the means, we try to satisfy them. What would happen instead if we witnessed them, if we asked questions of them? Are we eating because we're bored? Are we wanting to gorge on something to somehow self-medicate? Gluttony in terms of obsessive thoughts about food and drink is something that can affect all of us, whether we're desert monks and hermits or not. Back to page 83. If you're not living the ascetic life right now, you probably aren't longing for food or drink in the same way. The afflicting thought of gluttony, as Evagrius writes about it, doesn't apply to you perfectly, but gluttonous afflicting thoughts have a modern counterpart that is routinely problematic. Gluttony in Greek, gastromargia, became associated with overindulgence when Pope Gregory the Great added it to the list of seven deadly sins. This was in the 1200s or so, many years later. His teachings were for the church at large and applied to people both inside and outside of monastic life. Indeed, Pope Gregory used the writings of Evagrius as a template for his own work on the seven deadly sins, also called the capital vices or cardinal sins. 
From his decidedly Western lens, Pope Gregory focused more on identifying wrongdoings and less on forecasting the weather of the inner life and preventing its sinful effects. He considered the sins ensuing from the eight afflicting thoughts as serious moral failings in need of confession and penance. Instead of cautionary wisdom, too often the seven deadly sins have been weaponized against people. Christians throughout history have been prone to use them as tools of judgment rather than redemptive aids. Gluttony today, in terms of regular overeating and overconsuming, can lead to spiritual malformation. Habitually consuming in excess will never be healthy mentally or physically, but gluttony is a deeper issue. Gluttony is larger than the consumption of food and drink. It can involve compulsive desires to accumulate, binge on, or collect things as well. Gluttony shifts the focus from God and God's provision to our own appetites and serves to placate our fears of scarcity. The virtue that counterbalances gluttony is charity. As we practice charity through generosity, we can move with intention through the terrain and climate conditions of scarcity. Then we can be freed from gluttony. We may understand the seven other afflicting thoughts in the same way as counterbalanced by a virtue. And that's the first afflicting thought, gluttony. The second is lust or fornication. And I'll save that for next time. An interesting thing about what gluttony does to us, it makes us the center of our stories in the sense that God is not providing for us. We better provide for ourselves. We better get while the getting's good. Devour, accumulate, binge. It's a very destructive vice type behavior. All of us can get sucked into gluttonous thoughts, and those thoughts are going to arise. For some, these afflicting thoughts are more challenging than others. If you've had few resources or felt very deprived, gluttony could really be a kind of monkey on your back bothering you. So as you think about gluttony in your own life, go through your day or your week and try to notice if you are binging, accumulating, or feeling as though material things or things to satisfy your body like food and drink have some sort of scarcity feature to them. If we feel afraid, it tends to reflect on a core wound we have. And you can read more about it if you get my book, The Wild Land Within, available for Kindle and in paperback at any bookseller. If you have questions about my book, contact me on my website, sparkmymuse.com or lisadelay.com. They both go to the same place. I would love to encounter your questions and perhaps answer some of them on a podcast. Remember that whatever temptations or afflicting thoughts you have doesn't make you a bad person or should give you a sense of shame. We all encounter temptations. The problem is when we give energy, attention to those temptations. These afflicting thoughts become more afflicting to us. They can damage our relationships. They can damage our spiritual formation. They can turn us into people that we don't want to be. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Spark My Muse and Soul School. Stay tuned next week when there will be a guest episode. May God help you as you witness your afflicting thoughts.